to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Last week, we started a new series called Four Things. And each week in this series, Pastor Nicole is going to use four seemingly random objects to help us better understand our relationship with Jesus. Last week, she used a can of soda, a work boot, a no trespassing sign, and a chair to illustrate the power of Jesus' shed blood to cleanse and empower our lives. Today, we're looking at four new objects, a backpack, a paddle, some grapes, and a yearbook. And through these items, Pastor Nicole will examine the need and power of faith in our lives. So let's get started today and discover four things you need to know from Hebrews 11. Here's Pastor Nicole. So I brought some things with me today, four things actually. Um, These are common objects, and each of these um, weeks of this series, I'm attempting to use four things uh, to preach through a passage in the book of Hebrews. And my prayer is that when you see one of these things in your everyday ordinary life, that you begin to connect God's word to it, um, and that these objects are kind of begin to be like triggers for your mind, uh, so you can think about what we're talking about with scripture. In fact, if you were here last week, and um, you, you heard the sermon. How many of you saw one of those objects we talked about and thought about it on your, this week? You thought about the message. All right. I got a few messages from some of you. Um, like I got some memes that talked about Dr. Pepper and how it's not the real thing. You know, I got a few of those. Uh, I'm sure that my brother-in-law, Nate, when he put on his boots that I literally had up here through the week, he thought of that. I talked about that. Um, so these are the four things I brought this week. I brought... A hiking backpack. You guys need to be like, ooh, okay? It's ooh and ah. All right. I brought a paddle. Okay. You're good at this. Okay. I brought a plate of grapes that I promised not to throw at Pastor Quint this week. And I brought my high school yearbook. Okay. There. We had to dust it off, Joel and I, this weekend. All right. So this whole series, we're studying Hebrews 10 through 12. Um, I do want to challenge you to read the entire book of Hebrews in the month of February. In fact, I want to challenge you to ask someone to keep you accountable to read that book by the end of the month. It's leap year, so you get one extra day, okay? So no excuses. Um, And at the end of the month, on February 25th, uh, we are going to have a worship night to kind of end our Four Things series. At 6 p.m., we will gather here in the sanctuary together And there will also be worship for elementary kids in the chapel. So please mark your calendar on that. Um, So here's what we're going to do to start, since we're talking about random things. I want you to turn to just the person next to you and tell them the most random thing you have in your car right now. If I was going to go out to all of your cars to see what's the most random thing, tell the person next to you. So my husband, Joel... Um, has always loved the outdoors, okay? He likes to hike and camp. He um, likes to cook things over the fire, sleep in a tent. Um, He doesn't mind being in places where there are no indoor bathroom options, okay? In fact, I think he enjoys this particular challenge. Uh, Unfortunately, he married a girl who really likes hotels with fluffy pillows, okay? (laughs) And free breakfast. And... um, I really enjoy climate-controlled environments, okay? Like, I find that really appealing. I don't particularly like bugs or spotty internet. (laughs) Those are just things that bother me. So, uh, we've been married almost 20 years, and we have learned to work together, to compromise. That mostly means when he hikes, he hikes alone. (laughs) Um, And I cheer him on, or he hikes with his Kyle students, which I'm grateful for y'all to 
meet this need in him. Um, so I don't have much hiking experience myself, but when Joel goes on, on a few-day hike, um, he, I know he packs a bag full of things, okay? He has a can opener, Band-Aids, sunscreen, right? An extra pair of socks, a water bottle, flashlight, matches, all of it, right? Extra clothes, extra shoes. And so my first thing today, my first object is a hiking backpack full of things, Okay, a hiking backpack full of things. Now, a hiking backpack is for the journey, and you have to bring all the supplies that you need, everything you need, to successfully go in and come back out of the trail. You need to have everything that you need. And so, as I mentioned, we're reading in the book of Hebrews, and these people were Hebrew by faith, but Christ followers by choice. And in this particular um, time, the Hebrews were suffering social persecution. They, were begin they began to waver in their stand for Christ, and they started compromising their truth. Okay, I got to wear this like the right way. I've never worn a hiking backpack. Let's be real. Okay, this is how Joel wears the hiking backpack. <laughs> okay, so in, in this particular time, they're, they're slacking in their witness for Christ. And so the writer of Hebrews is stressing this idea of perseverance in faith. And the theme of chapter 11 is all about how each follower of Jesus must live by faith and hang on to faith every day in their journey as a Christ follower. So in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we meet a great number of men and women who are on this life journey. They're heroes of faith. They're all on track to the same place. They're all hiking to the same heavenly city. Okay, they're all headed that way to a place where Jesus rules and reigns forever. And each of them will have difficulties on their journey, and we see some of those in the scripture. There's highs, and there's lows, and there's triumph, and there's defeat. And Hebrews 11 is a little bit of the summary of those things. But the writer starts off Hebrews 11 by saying this, pack up that backpack. You are on a journey, and put the things inside of it that you will need to successfully live a life that pleases God until you get to heaven. And the biggest item you need to pack inside that backpack is faith. Faith is what you will need every day of the journey. Faith needs to fill up your backpack. You need to have a backpack so full of faith that when difficult things happen, you just reach in there, right? And you get it out. And you have that faith that you need to keep journeying to the place that God has called us all to, this heavenly city that he has created, and we take the faith that we need for the journey. So today our prayer is simple. Lord, fill my backpack with more faith. Lord, fill my backpack with more faith. In fact, will you pray that with me this morning? Let's pray that together. Lord, fill my backpack with more faith. So let's read this passage today that I'm talking about, and then we're going to walk through it verse by verse. Uh, Pastor Andy, would you help me out? Would you read Hebrews 11, 1 through 6? Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith... Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. 
He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So what is faith? What is this faith that we need to have for the journey? Well, faith is not merely positive thinking. Faith is not a hunch to follow. Faith is not simply hoping for the best. It's not an act of optimism or having a good feeling about something. It's all of that, but it's more than that. Faith, according to the Bible, is the human response to a divine revelation. It's trusting that God who has revealed himself in scripture is real and good and will do what he says he's going to do. Faith is taking God at his word. It's reading the Bible and believing it. And the most important thing about faith is not the faith itself, but the object of that faith. And the faith that the writer of Hebrews is talking about here and the faith that we need in our backpack is faith in the real saving and sanctifying work of Jesus Christ. It's the work on the cross that he did for us and what that means for us. And so this verse uh, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it talks about that faith is confidence in what we hope for. And the writer here is talking about the eternal inheritance of Christ. It's that, that city that all the people are journeying, journeying to. God has promised that he is making an eternal country, a perfect heavenly city for us to live with forever. And we can have confidence that God is doing what he says he's doing. We can have confidence that God is real and he's preparing a place for us. And someday he will come again and vanquish all evil. And we will live in victory with him forever if we belong to God. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is confidence what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. I was reading this story recently. Uh, for centuries, the islands of New Zealand were unpopulated. Okay, no human had ever set foot on the island of New Zealand and according uh, to oral tradition, the first settlers were Polynesians from other Pacific islands who had sailed nearly a thousand miles in an outrigger canoe. Here's a picture of one of them. So I wanted to bring a canoe, but I thought it would crowd the table. So I just thought I'd bring a paddle, okay? A canoe paddle. The Polynesians came with the purpose of settling in New Zealand. They had hoped it was a one-way trip. Okay, they packed all of their things, they packed all of the stuff to resettle, and historians have asked the question, if it was nearly a thousand miles away from where they lived, how did they even know land was out there? How did they know they would not just sail all that way and run out of food and water and all die? How are they sure that where they were going actually existed? And the Polynesians reported that they knew for generations that land was there because other voyagers who had gone out and come back had seen a long white cloud on the distant horizon. And when a cloud stayed in one place for a very long time, there was land underneath it. In fact, they called New Zealand the land of the long white cloud. And so these Polynesians never saw the land itself. They just got in an outrigger canoe with a paddle and a whole lot of faith 
And they just started paddling until they found the thing that they had the assurance in that it was there. It was something they never saw, but they had so much assurance, they packed up all their things and all their families and they paddled for a thousand miles to find a new home. Did you know faith is like that? It's a voyage to an unseen place. Listen, we've never, none of you have been to heaven, but you're gonna be there someday if you're a believer in Jesus. And we have to trust that there is a journey to an unknown future. Faith sees the invisible. We don't always know the plan. We can't always see how God is going to work out. We can feel lost at times in our journey. But faith is the tool that brings the future promises of God into present focus. And faith enables us to see the unseen that the world cannot see. Faith keeps us trusting God in confidence and assurance that things hoped for will actually happen one day. Faith is the confidence and assurance that God is who he says he is, past, present, and future. All right, that brings us to Hebrews 11:3 again. Uh, Pastor Andrew, will you just remind us what that says? By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made of what was visible. Okay, this verse is describing creation. So you were not there when God created the earth. Nobody was. But we believe it by faith. You were not there to witness the miracles Jesus did in the Gospels, but you believe it by faith. We were not at the cross or the empty tomb, but we believe Jesus died and rose again in three days by faith. Faith believes the incredible. Now let me tell you this. Faith does not mean something is groundless. We have tremendous historical evidence that confirms what we believe by faith. Okay, the accounts that we read in the Bible are historical, and we can prove many of the events in the scripture today. But when we say we have faith in something we cannot see, we don't mean uh, I have faith with no good reason to believe it. This just means that we were not there to see it with our own eyes. We need faith to fill in the gap of our personal experience. And so faith is believes in the incredible. Uh, let's look at verse four again. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. Okay, so this verse uh, gives us a really short summary of an Old Testament story about the world's first brothers, Abel and Cain. They were sons of Adam and Eve. And we assume from this account in Genesis that these boys were taught by Adam and Eve. Uh, they were taught all of the things that Adam and Eve uh, understood. And they were taught that a sacrifice that was acceptable to God was a blood sacrifice. The Old Testament tells us, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Now, chapters 9 and 10 of Hebrews talk extensively. We talked a little bit last week about the necessity of a blood sacrifice to rightly approach God's throne. And, and here's the deal. The animal's blood could not take away sin, but it foreshadowed the, the man who could, right? It gave us a picture of what Christ would do. And so in this particular Old Testament uh, passage, Abel enjoyed God, God's favor because he put faith in his sacrifice, 
Abel obeyed God and his parents' teaching, and he brought an animal sacrifice when it was time to give to the Lord. But Cain only offered the Lord the fruit of the ground. Cain offered the best crop of land, uh, that he had. Uh, thing number three, I brought some grapes. It's fruit. Okay, this is probably not the fruit they're talking about, but come with me. Okay, come with me on the journey here. Uh, so this is the fruit of the ground. So Cain brought fruit, and Abel brought a, a lamb that was really precious to him. Now, what was wrong with the fruit? What was wrong with Cain's fruit sacrifice? Well, he and his brother, they both came to the same altar. They both came to a living God. They both came at the right time. They both came with a sacrifice. So what was wrong with Cain's fruit that God said, no, no, that wasn't exactly what I was talking about. Abel gets the blessing and you don't. Cain was sincere. He was trying to bring his best. He probably picked out the grapes, you know, which ones are squishy. Okay, like, we'll throw those away because God gets the best grapes. But here's the deal. He didn't do it God's way. Cain, in his natural and rational mind, reasoned that one way was good as another. And he chose to believe that the type of sacrifice was unimportant. This is what we need to get from this. There is only one way that is acceptable to God, and that is his way. Listen, that's his way. You can have something really, really good that you want to give to God, but we cannot negotiate with God. We cannot schmooze God. We cannot trick God. We cannot manipulate God. We can only approach God his way, and that way is through the shedding of blood. There is only one way of salvation, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ alone that is appropriated through faith in Christ and his work for sin. John 14, 6 tells us this in the New Testament. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We can have a lot of really good ideas, but none of them are going to work unless we do it God's way. I love what it says here in Hebrews. It says that Abel, even though he's dead, it doesn't mean he's physically still speaking today, but his life lesson speaks today. Here's the lesson. We must believe God, do what he says, but catch this, do it God's way. It's not about our way. It's not about our way. It's God's way. And some of us today need to say sorry to God for trying to do life our own way. We will never please God trying to give him something without surrendering to his way. All right, let's look at the last part of Hebrews. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Okay, the story of Enoch is found in Genesis 5. And in Hebrews, they're just summarizing it. Again, Enoch lived his life without God for 65 years. But at the age of 65, something marvelous happened to this man. And listen, that's a word for somebody today. God's not done yet. God is not done with you yet. And so at the age of 65, he began to walk with God. And he began for the first time to enjoy this continuous presence of God. 
And Enoch's walk with God, it made a tremendous impact upon his culture and those around him. And it says that Enoch pleased God and he did it in his everyday life, in his walk with God. Enoch was known for his fellowship with God. And in his daily, common, regular duties, Enoch trusted God. He loved God. He he adored him. He intimately knew the one true and living God. In fact, Enoch's walk with God was so close that one day God did a startling and rare thing. He took Enoch to heaven without death. Very, very rare. One day, Enoch just disappeared and he was gone. And it's interesting because Enoch did nothing super noticeable that is recorded in the Bible, but Enoch walked faithfully with God and this is the most spectacular thing that a person can do. To walk faithfully with God day in and day out and have an intimate relationship with God. So for thing number four, I brought my high school yearbook Class of 1999. All right, here's a picture of Joel and I in high school. I was the VP. He was the treasurer. That's kind of, he he's always been good with money, so that worked out. Uh, circa 1999, I am wearing his football jersey. Come on, somebody. That's uh, where it all started. In a yearbook, uh, other students sign it, and they say things like, you're a great friend. Never change, which is a terrible thing to say to someone at 18. You know, like, please change, please. Um, Good luck, right? Stay cool. (laughs) Maybe that was just in the 90s, I don't know. Um, And sometimes they write a memory or something a person is known for in the yearbook. I, uh, just for fun, last night I was reading through these. I can hardly remember what these people are talking about. uh, But I was like, that must have been really funny. Um, But... I love what the writer of Hebrews said about Enoch. The reflection, the summary of Enoch's life, the thing that someone would write in Enoch's proverbial yearbook was this, Enoch pleased God. Man, I want that written in my spiritual yearbook, do you? Nicole pleased God. Not stay cool, that's not helpful, right? Nicole pleased God. Do you want that said about you? Verse 6 closes with this fact, apart from faith in God, it is impossible to please him in any way. God is not impressed with our education. God is not impressed with our financial worth. God is not impressed by our status in society or how much time we volunteer or what skill set we have or how many kids we have or what we do with those kids. Listen, he is looking for our faith in him. He is looking for people with big old full backpacks of faith that are carrying them around in this journey as we go to the heavenly city. The Lord said to me this week, Nicole, don't forget where your home is. Don't you lose sight of where home is. Because everything feels and looks a little different when you realize this isn't the end of what's happening. Things that we're storing up, decisions that we're making, people that we're pleasing, this is not the end of it. Home is where we're going. And faith believes in God and puts the commands of God to work. This verse says that God rewards those who seek him with spiritual blessings. And the single most important reward is God himself. Listen, God becomes the intimate companion of all who walk by faith. 
God shows up and he's with you in the journey. You know, Hebrews 11, we're going to talk about it again next week. It's just so rich. I was telling Pastor Andy this morning, I could preach on Hebrews 11 for a year. I mean, there's just so much in here. But it's sometimes known as the hall of faith. And if you know it, if you've read it before, it takes you through snippets of all these Old Testament saints. Today we talked about a few stories. And it reminds us of what God can accomplish through his people when they have faith in him. But listen, the key lesson in Hebrews 11 is not go out and do great things. It's not go out and do something amazing and fill stadiums up and and, and go to foreign countries and, and do all these things. Listen, it's not about you or me or what we can achieve if we just have faith. The call is to pack our backpack full of faith for the journey, but it's not about the faith itself. It's not about the object. It is about the object of your faith. Is God the person you are trusting the most? Is God the person you're trusting the most? You see, what makes faith powerful is not how much you have of it. We often assume that what makes faith successful is how strong it is or how big it is. But that's not true. What makes faith so powerful is the object of your faith. Faith gets stronger when we focus on the object of our faith. You know, sometimes we just need reminded of who God is. In order to increase your faith today, in order for us to put more faith in our backpack, we need to remember the God that we serve, who he is, who he was, and what he's going to do in the future. We have to remember the bigness of him, the faithfulness of him. So here's how we're gonna end today. Would you stand? We're gonna worship to this song. It's about the names of God. You may have never heard it before, but you can read the lyrics as we sing it. And just let your heart worship as we sing to the object of our faith. And we're gonna ask God to fill our backpack full of faith for this journey home.
you're better than we even know. God, you're bigger than we even understand. God, you're stronger than we've even seen. God, you offer more hope than we take. You offer more joy than we experience, Lord. We put our faith in you. We put our faith in a God that we can't always understand, that we can't always describe. Thank God you're bigger than we understand. God, I pray right now that you would expand our understanding of who you are. God, that you would fill up our backpacks full of faith for the journey. Not faith in ourselves, not faith in the people around us, not faith in our church family, not faith in the friends around us, God, but faith in you, the object of our faith that is so much bigger and stronger and better, Lord, than we can ask or imagine or understand. And so God, today, increase our faith. Fill it up. Fill our backpacks up as we journey to this place that you've called us. Lord, we're trusting you for it. And it's in your strong name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Eerie First Podcast. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review on your podcast app. And please subscribe so you never miss a message. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.